you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. of God's power. I've come to see somebody filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've come to see the waters of baptism troubled in the name of Jesus. I count it as always a great honor to be able to preach to you tonight. And it may be a little different for me tonight. preach a little bit too. Is that okay? And I believe that God is going to do a great work tonight. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 22, and then we will be going to 2 Samuel chapter 23. I'm honored to all of you tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 22. We'll begin reading at verse number one. When you say it, when you have it, say amen. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the to the cave Adullam. He was running from Saul, trying to save his life. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither. And everyone that was, now catch this right now, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in haste, sounds like a lot of us, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about Moab and said unto the king of Moab, let my father and my mother, 
I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do. Jump over to 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse number 8. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 and slew them at one time. And after him was Eleazar the son of Dodo. Aren't you glad that you don't have that name? The Hoite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Verse number 10, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. Talking about the mighty men, he, he slew until his hand got tired. And the word of the Lord said, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. Many names, I don't understand. And the Philistines were gathered together in a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled. stood up and he defended it and he slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Tonight I feel in the Holy Ghost that God is calling some of us too weak to stand and fight. I believe that God is searching for some that would get out of the, the comfort, if you will, of their own lives and get involved in the lives of someone that is just too weak and that's just too tired and that's just too beat down and too downhearted. And I believe that God is calling for us to bear you would anoint your messenger, that you would anoint the ears of your people. Oh, God, help.
help us to feel the weight. God, help us to feel the weight of what you're calling us to do, Lord. Help us to see the job and the task that is before us. And God, help us to stand up and answer the call that you're calling us to, God. And we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone shout amen. Would you just turn to your neighbor and say, spend time in his word. 
suddenly it wasn't such an inconvenience to wake up early in the morning for prayer. But I desired to commune with him. I couldn't wait to start my day off with prayer, even though it meant getting up an hour earlier than normal. I couldn't wait to see what God was going to open my eyes to in his word that day. You see, I could hardly wait to see who God was going to allow me to cross paths with that day. My my commitment birthed in me a deep desire for the things of God. And, And now I no longer am I satisfied with just coming to church and going through the motions. No longer am I satisfied with ankle-deep religion, but I desire the deeper things of God. I desire a day when miracles, signs, and wonders are the normal. I desire a day when the drug addict walks in off the street and God delivers them in a moment. I desire the day when cancer can't stay in the body of anyone who walks in the doors of this building. I desire a day like the Apostle Peter when they bring the sick on their beds and on their couches that at the least the shadow of the Holy Ghost-filled believer passing over them. the power of who is in us that miracles can't help but happen. When we understand that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and people can't help but come in bound but leave free. I pray that before we leave this place that God baptizes us with a deep desire for the miraculous. I I pray that God baptizes us with a deep desire to see that the kingdom of God when God found you and brought you from out from where you were and out of the pit of sin that you were living in. You see, you couldn't wait until Sunday or Wednesday because that meant you got to go to church. God changed your desires and no longer did you desire your old life, but now you desire the things of God. Can I pause and tell you tonight that you are here because God gave you a desire to be in the house of God tonight. You pray because God gave you a desire to have relationship with Him. You read His Word because God has given you a desire. You've got to understand that it's only the grace of God and not of your goodness. We don't deserve to be here tonight. I don't know that, is there anybody in this house here tonight that really believes that you deserve to be in his presence? You under you, But you understand that none of us are good enough, that none of us have done right enough, but it's only by the grace of God that we are able to be here. There is nothing that we can do to earn the grace of God. In fact, the Bible tells us in Isaiah that our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
Almighty. It was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 and 27 says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There are some of you in this place that don't even look like what you used to be, that you came to an old-fashioned altar of repentance, and you fell before God, and you repented of your sins, and God took you out of where you were at, and now you are a new creature. And Christ be all, although things are passed away and all things are become new. Is there anybody in this house that is thankful for what God has done in your life? Come on, if you're thankful, you ought to give him praise tonight. You ought to give him glory tonight. obligation, but I'm here because I want to be here, and I want to be here because he has given me a desire for the house of God. The reason that you sing, the reason that you lift your hands is because you've got a grateful heart for a God that has changed your desire. him. People got mad at him. People people talked about him. People were asking questions like, why? Why was he chosen? Isn't he just a little shepherd boy? But the favor of God was on his life. Hear me tonight when I tell you that not everyone is going to rejoice with you over what God is doing in you. Not everybody's going to be happy that God has, has, has touched your life and that God has taken them out of your life. Not everybody's going to rejoice with you over what God has done in your life. I feel like just staying here for just a moment. Sometimes we come into the house of God and, and God touches our lives and he, he does some things for us. And, and, and uh, we feel that we just have to go out and make some changes. We feel that we have to get rid. We feel like we have to unfriend people because it does matter. It does matter who you're connected with. I said it matters who you're connected with. It's, it does matter who's got your ear. It does matter who you allow to speak into your life. I don't want somebody that doesn't care anything about the things of God to have any kind of voice in my life. But I'm going to make sure that those that have my ear are people who are full of the Holy Ghost, people that have my best interests at heart, people who want to see me do great things. rejoice with you. They're not always going to see things like you see them. They're not going to always be happy when you tell them what God has done in your life. They're not always going to understand why you don't do what
what you used to do. They're not going to always understand why you no longer go where you used to go. They're not going to they're not going to be happy about the fact that you don't talk the way that you used to talk and you don't walk the way that you used to walk. But I thank God that I'm not who I used to be. I'm glad I don't walk like I used to walk. I'm glad I don't talk like I used to talk. But God made a difference in my life. responsibility to serve somebody else. Come on, I feel like preaching that tonight. Just because God has spoken to you and called you into great things doesn't give you a pass on serving the kingdom of God. It doesn't give you a free pass just to sit by and just just live the easy life and, and just and just walk into what God has called you to. But sometimes but God's calling is going to call you to serve. It's going to cause you to do some things that you don't want to do. And you're going to say, well, God has called me. I shouldn't have to do this, but God is calling us first to be servants. David went back to take care of Bathsheba. What are you doing while you are waiting to step into what God has anointed you for? You can't just sit around and wait on that moment, but you've got to serve until that moment unfolds. I feel like preaching to some young people, some young ministers, some young ladies who you feel like God's calling is on your life, but you don't understand why it hasn't happened yet. You feel that God is calling you to deeper things, but you're wondering why, why life is still the way it is and why you're not up singing and why you're not up preaching. Listen, God may be calling you to that, but there has to be first be a, a, a moment of consecration. There has to be first a moment of waiting where God can change some things in you and develop you and put within you everything that you're going to need for the kingdom of God. David goes back to Bathsheba. Until the call of God is in their life. So between their desire and their calling, somewhere in between, I'm going to place within them a burden 
to serve, a burden for the house of God. I'm going to place within them a, a, a burden for the deeper things of God. That is exactly what happened to Saul when he was anointed to be king in 1 Samuel chapter 10. Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it over Saul's head. And at the inauguration of the first king of Israel, the Bible tells us that Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his own house, and Saul also went back home. There went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Just because you have an appointment, just because you have a calling, just because you have an anointing on your life, doesn't mean that you can't take instructions from the prophet Saul went home because the prophet told him, go home. He said, I want you to leave this place and I want you to go back home. Don't you know, Samuel, I'm I'm going to be king. I've been anointed, not at this point of life because he was still surprised at what God was doing in his life. He was still shocked. He was still in a state of humility, why Saul? Out of everybody else, why Saul? He was still shocked at what God was doing. His purpose, because true humility is not expecting. You you want me to sing? You you want me to preach? You 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 want to use me? That's the humility that Saul had. He said, "I am the least in my father." job and they they believe that they 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 can they can do it like nobody else can but Saul's humility wasn't false humility that's exactly how he felt he was saying I'm the least in the kingdom of God and if that's the case then why can't I be brought up in humility and he went home he didn't want that part of his life he didn't think that there was anything different now that he was anointed than it was before he was anointed. Saul just did what he normally did. He obeyed the word of the Lord and he went home. Listen, I feel like I'm talking to some people in this house tonight. It's easy to get puffed up in in what we're doing. It's it's easy easy to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And, 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 And we think that we ought to be serving right now. We think we ought to be doing it right now. And the the messenger of the Lord comes and he tells us something different than what we want to hear. And we think, well, who does he think he is? Doesn't he know that I have a calling on my life? Doesn't he know that I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be? Listen, sometimes the prophet, sometimes the man of God knows some things you don't know. See some things that you don't see in yourself. So they tell you, yes, 
understand. I know what you're feeling, but just give it some time. Just give it some time. And that's where so many just walk away because they're upset. And why can't it happen now? And they they think that they ought to be fulfilling their calling right now. And they go off and they do their own thing. And before you know it, they're off in sin. They're off in false doctrine. But listen to me right now. When the man of God stands up and he gives instruction, we ought to take heed because God has spoken to him. Come on, God will confirm through the man of God. And sometimes it's not what we want to hear, but we got to trust. We got to trust and know that God has given the instruction. There's times in here that we can go, the Bible says, that we can turn and we can go therewith with him a band of men whose hearts God has touched. God moves on people. Follow men who can follow people. There's no such thing as a leader who can't follow. I think he knows this. I think many of you know this about me. There is a, there is a decision that I make in life, ministry or whatever, any major life decision that I don't first go, this is what God's called. somebody calls me to come and preach, invites me to come preach, I don't ever give them a, a yes. My first, my first question is, have you talked to my pastor? Have you asked my pastor, has he given you permission to contact me? And if they say no, I say, well, let me talk to him and I'll get back with you. Why? Because I have anointed him to be a leader in my life. Where he goes, I will follow. I may not Listen, it doesn't mean that I always it doesn't mean that I always agree with everything, but I trust that God has spoken to him and when he tells me, "Listen, you ought not do that. You ought not go that way. Be careful. I'm going to take heed and I'm going to listen to the man of God in my life. I don't care what God has called me to. I don't care what God is wanting me to do, but I want to know that I am hearing what my man of What's my attitude going to be when he tells me no? Am I still going to be submitted to the man of God when he tells me no? Am I going to still be submitted to the man of God when he has to call me on the carpet and set me straight and listen to me? I don't want to get too personal, but there are some times that this man has had to set me straight, and it didn't feel good. I didn't like it at the moment, but I walked away from that place, and I understood, and I begin to thank God that there is a man of God in my life that will tell me that he cares enough for me to say no. No, not today. No, not that opportunity.
cross, a true leader can never lead until they learn to follow. We've got to learn to seek after God. We've got to learn to seek the the deeper, to be led to the deep, to be led into the deepness of what God has for us. Great followers, great followers, you can't follow without being led. If you can't submit, you can't stay anointed. I will say that again, Brother Duggar. If you can't submit, you can't stay anointed. If you can't follow leadership, you will eventually become the people's choice and do whatever people want you to do instead of doing what God wants you to do. I've come to preach to somebody today and tell you that we need a revival of humility that says, God, I need a Samuel in my life. I need a prophet in my life. I need somebody that could give me direction in my life. God calls a man and gives him a vision, gives him a calling, or gives him a purpose. He will always call others to go with him. A vision from the Lord will never be accomplished or attained by oneself because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. To say I'm called of God is to say I'm not all that. Being called of God is to not of yourself than you ought to think despite what you think Samson did not look like a linebacker in the NFL Samson probably was the linebacker in the NFL some people are scared of this faith and not by sight. Some of us haven't stopped or haven't rather stepped into our calling because of who we see when we look in the mirror. We, we disqualify ourselves by what is looking back at us when we look in the mirror. We begin to compare ourselves against others. We begin to say, I'm not as talented as so-and-so. I can't preach like so-and-so. I can't sing like so-and-so. I can't lead like they can. Well, if I only had their last name, if I hadn't done this or I hadn't done that in my life, the problem is that we don't see God in our life. We only see us in our life. But when God calls you to something, when God calls you to deeper things, He's going to call you to something that you can't do in your own strength. 
He's going to call you to something that you can't do in your own mental ability. He will call you to something that you are not capable of. He will call you to do something that is out of your comfort zone. Listen, when God calls you to something, it will be beyond you because he's not going to let anybody get the credit for what he can do. But he just needs someone to say, I'll give you the praise. I'll give you the glory. And I'll give you the honor. chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen yea and things which are not to bring not things that are why did he choose someone that can't do it why did he ever choose somebody that didn't have the ability on their own. Why did he choose imperfect man? I've come to preach every insecurity out of every person in this building and tell you that there is a goal of God for you. There is a call of God for your family. You've got to quit looking in the mirror, but you've got to say, I've got the goods, but his grace, by his grace, I am good enough. By his grace... I am strong enough. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for your neighborhood. burden to see the gospel of Jesus Christ spread across the globe. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for my wife. smile across my face when me getting two children. gave to us, and I wish that it would have worked out, but it didn't work out with his schedule. He wanted to meet with us, and 
wanted to talk about things, but schedule wouldn't allow. And, but we had this opportunity. I was having lunch just a little over a year ago with my cousin, Rich Christ, at Cosmic Times. And uh, many of you remember Nick Mahaney. He's just, I hope he's watching because he is a nut. He is, he is, he's one of the most hilarious guys I've ever met in my life. And I'm sitting across the table from him at lunch, and we just come through a powerful service. And he just sits down and he begins to start sharing of, of things that he has seen on his trips to the Philippines. And I just said, wow, man, I, I, shoot, I would love to experience that. And he kept on talking, and he was sharing of, of, of a time where they were in a crusade and, and they had a blow-up pool and they were going to baptize people. And it, the crusade was in the middle of their dry season. And it had not rained for months. And when he told them to, to, to fill the pool, it, they, they had to say, Hey, Brother Mahaney, there is no water. We can't get water. We can't fill the pool. And he looked at him and he said, God's going to provide. And he starts telling me a story of, of, of as he began to speak the word of faith and there were people that were lined up to be baptized. And he said, I wasn't going to tell them for a moment that we didn't have water to baptize them. He said, but they were lined up. He said, I began to speak the word of faith. And he said, out of nowhere, he said, now it hadn't rained for three months. And he said, out of nowhere, the clouds begin to roll in and the sky, the sky begin to darken. And he said, man, a torrential downpour like I had never seen in my life. I said, bro, what did you do? He said, I told him, get the pools quick. Put them up under the, the roof, Eve. He said, let the water, let the rain water fill it up. And they put the pool under the edge of the roof and the water, the rain begin to fall and water begin to shed off the roof until the pool was completely full. And the moment that the pool filled up, the rain stopped. And I said, bro, man, I would love to experience that. He told me again of another instance where they brought someone who was lame on a bed to a service and God healed them in an instant and they got up and walked out of there and I said, man, listen, if you don't understand what I'm telling you, I want to go. And he goes, oh, okay, well, go with me. And so I left that place being encouraged. I don't know if I got that from my grandfather Christ, but I just wanted to experience missions work. And so he invited me in June, and he said, we're going to go in, in March. He said, I'll get you all the details. And so we started planning. And we get around to about October, September, October, and I told my wife, I said, babe, as much as I want to go, I just don't see any way possible. I don't see how it's going to happen. I don't see how I'm going to be able to afford to go. Aiden wanted to go, and I thought, well, I, it's going to be it's going to be taxing. But I, I, babe, I don't believe that we're going to be able to go. And so I started praying about it. I started seeking the face of God, and 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 and. In prayer at my house, I believe that God told me that I was supposed to go. So I told my wife, I said, babe, I know this sounds silly, but I believe that I'm supposed to go to the Philippines in March. She said, well, you can't argue with God. I said, no, I can't, but I am asking him, how in the world am I going to do this? And so I decided to step out in faith. 
and I, I, we went to the post office and we, we put in our applications for our passports. And the moment that I did, God just began to open doors and, and, and God began to bless. And, and I understood at that moment that I took a step of faith and that God was going to work everything out. And let me pause. Let me pause and tell you that every one of you, I, I, I plan on handwriting you a note and giving you something that I brought back from the Philippines, but every one of you that gave to Aiden's calls and made it possible for him to go, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. You were such a blessing, such a blessing. So we fast forward to the, the awakening, and it was, I just couldn't help but think God just wants me to go. I don't understand. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know what I'm going to see. I don't know what God has in store, but I just really believe that God's going God's to open the door and allow me to go. And it was, it was Friday night of the awakening. We were at 51 West, and we had eaten after service, and everybody was clearing out. And I looked over in the corner. And there sat Sister Jamie Townsend and Brother David. They had worked hard and, and it was helping clean up. And they were just taking a breather. And I went down and, and sat down at the table. And I, and I just said, you know what? I started talking about the Philippines. And I said, you know what? I just believe that God wants me to go. And Sister Jamie got this big smile on her face. And she said, well, since you said that, I'm going to tell you what God showed me. I said, well, show me. She said, so I sat down. She said, I had a, I had a vision. It was a vision or a dream. She said, I saw a, a, it was a church service of some sort. She said, I saw a sea of people. And she said, you were in the pulpit preaching. And she said, I noticed that your eye was drawn to a man. She said, I, understand, I know your eyes were drawn to someone. And she said, and all of a sudden, the sea of people begin to part. And she said, I, she said, I don't even know what his need was, but you came down off the platform and you laid hands on him. And he was healed in a moment. God healed him of whatever, whatever uh, ailment or wh whatever need that he had in his life. And she said, and she said, but the crazy thing is, she said, I know what he looks like. tell me. She said, I'm not going to tell you. She said, I know what he looks like, and I know what he's wearing. And she said, God told me to tell you that he is there waiting on you. Gifts and I, 
I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be, uh, listen, you're going to hear a lot of this in this story. There was a lot of crying going on. I cried more than I've ever cried in my entire life. I, I'm going to tell you this, what happened. We were sitting in the airport in Manila. We're, we're, dry, we're getting ready to fly to, to Dumaguete. I'll tell you how God works, okay? And I'm, I'm telling you that God has opened all these doors, made financial ways where I just didn't know what was going to happen. And we were in the airport, and I noticed a, a whole group of people from the United States. They all had dive shirts on. They were there. They were going to Dumaguete because it is a diving destination. It's beautiful, beautiful ocean. And so I struck up a conversation with a man and woman sitting behind me. And I said, well, where are you from? And they said, well, we're from, from Pennsylvania. And I said, well, that's awesome. I said, well, we're from Indiana. And he said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I said, well, I know that you're diving. I said, I'm here for a, a crusade. We're doing a Holy Ghost crusade in Dumaguete. And his eyes got big. He said, that's not true, Pastor Alan. So I began to share with him the, how, what, what had happened, what had transpired, and why we were there. And he, and they, so they started calling for the flight, and they were the first boarding group. And his wife gets up, and she said, come on, honey. He said, I, I'll catch up with you in a minute. I, I want to talk to you. And we sat there for about 15 minutes just talking about what, was, what, what, what we were doing and what we were hoping to experience. And he said, you know what? He said, I think that's awesome that you would travel this far to do something like that. He said, I hope that God blesses you. I hope that God does the things that, that you are expecting of him. And so we got on the plane and we, 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 we flew to Dumaguete and we got out into the airport. The airport was probably the size of this entire room. And I'm waiting on my bag. And all of a sudden I feel somebody's arm on my my, my my arm or their hand on my arm, and I looked back, and it was that man. And I could tell he was a little emotional. He said, listen, he said, it was so nice talking to you. And he reached out his hand, and I shook his hand, and I noticed there was something that he was putting in my hand. And I looked back, and I said, I, I don't understand. He said, he said, no, he said, it's, it's just a couple hundred dollars. He said, it's not much. He said, but I want you to put that towards what you're doing. He said, I want you to know that I believe in what you're doing. And these people need what you're bringing to them. Listen, when God calls you to something and God begins to open doors, he'll take it beyond your expectation. He'll, he'll take it beyond your furthest and wildest dreams. take us to a local church, a local assembly, and there's about, there's about six or eight pastors there, and we're, they're feeding us, and there's a, a roast, a, a, I mean, when I say a roasted pig, I mean, roast that joker. <laughs> so Jaden's like, I'm like, buddy, it's going to be good, trust me. So they begin to feed us, and the missionary, his name's Jeff Mallory, I hope that on his next trip to the States, he can be with us. I, I really hope that can happen, because you would, you would love him. But he comes up to me, and he says, he says Pastor, and I wasn't expecting this, and, he, and this was on Saturday night, and he said, Brother Lytle, Aiden, and he, he said, this is Pastor Pagapos. And I said, nice to meet you, sir. He said, he has asked for you personally, you and your son, and he wants to know, will you come, will you come and preach at his church tomorrow morning? That's Pastor and Sister Pagapos there, 
after that's after service, sitting in front of their pulpit. They're, they're, I'm telling you right now, some of the greatest people that you'll ever meet in your life. And I told him I, I'd be honored. I, I would be honored to do so. And so he said, we'll be at your hotel at 7, 7 o'clock in the morning, or 7.30 in the morning, which meant 8.15. <laughs> and so they pull up in front of a hotel, and then there pulls up this little truck that you and I wouldn't want to ride in, wouldn't want to be caught dead in. The thing wouldn't run, Brother Alfonso. It had to be pointing downhill, get it rolling, pop the clutch so it would start. And he said, you, you're going to ride. You're going to ride in this van and this truck. I said, okay. Uh, okay. Well, let, let me get in the back. You sit in the front. He said, no, 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 no. You ride in that van. And I didn't understand. Show that next picture until I, until I, I looked. Standing that day, it was raining. We could see the mountain in the distance. We were going about halfway up that mountain, about a 35, 40 minute drive up a mountain. I was, I was ashamed. I was riding in a truck, staying nice and dry. They didn't have air conditioning. I was sweating. I was sweating bullets. But I looked out in front of me and I began to weep. And I saw a pastor and his wife on a scooter in the rain. Listen, they weren't complaining about their situation. They weren't complaining the fact that when they got there, they would be soaking wet. But we pulled up beside them, and they had the biggest smile on their face because we were going to church. They had a burden for their community. They had a burden for the city of Valencia where their church is located. And we, we made the trek up the Don't judge me. I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. I don't have any place for any yellow jackets in here. Oh, here's a pastor and his wife. Uh, just two years ago, planted a church in the middle of nothing. Every Sunday, they make the 35, 40-minute drive up a mountain. This morning... Last, actually, last night, 13 hours ahead, last night, they were on that scooter. She was wearing that helmet. They took up driving up the hill. They're driving up the hill to their church. He, he, he messaged me. Uh, he calls me pastor. He messaged me on, on, on Facebook yesterday and said, I, I'm, I'm, thank, I'm glad, I'm excited about what God's doing. There's a, there's a spirit of revival. I'm excited. I'm believing that God's going to do great things in our service this morning. And I told him, I said, Pastor Pagapos, I believe it. I believe in what you're doing. And I believe that God is going to give you a mighty revival. And I just want to stand here and say, I believe God is going to send the Valencia, a mighty revival, a mighty influx of soul. And it's not because they're the most talented. It's not because they're the greatest. But it's because they're hungry. And they're burdened.
from there, if you would, please. The church, we don't have a nice building like we have. We walk in past the house, and it's open. There's a roof, and that's about it. It's all open area. You can see out the back. You walk out the back, there's garden in the back. They didn't complain. Praise God. Listen, we didn't have to get in the pulpit and beg them to worship. Nobody had to say, would you clap your hands? Nobody had to say, would you lift your hands and lift your voice and begin to praise God? But the moment that the first chord was struck on the music, listen, it wasn't the best music. They, they, they weren't the best singers. But I can tell you right now that the moment that that first note was struck on the keyboard, the first time that uh, that young lady lifted her mouth and, and began to sing, the presence of God swept into that sanctuary. And, and I looked over, and the pastor, he never stopped doing this the whole time. It, whether the song was fast or whether the song was slow. It didn't matter. But he was worshiping. He was giving it everything he he had. Why did he do that? Because there was a deep desire for the things of God. There was a desire. There was a burden for every one of those people. Okay, so I told you been to church before, three of the cutest little girls you've ever seen in your entire life. I wanted, don't tell anybody I wanted to bring one home with me, but that's illegal, so I didn't. <laughs> Just joking. So he, he was there in the service, and I began to preach about the power of the Holy Ghost. I, be, I began to preach about what God can do in your life, and this man who had never been in an in a, in a apostolic, I don't know He's ever been to church before, but definitely not an apostolic church. He came to the altar, and he began to cry, and he began to repent of his sins. And I, I laid my hands on him. I began to pray for him. I prayed for his wife. I prayed for his, his kids, and, and the power of God was all over him. And, 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 and the place was just going berserk. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing, nothing great. Nothing great happened. They, they, you can gain 400 pounds in the Philippines. They will, they will bring you food until you tell them to stop. Shut up. Shut up. They had all the food. They all wanted pictures with us. And so we left that service and we went, we went to, back down in Jerusalem, went to the crusade. pictures of it, but I pulled up, and again, y'all, I began to cry, because I saw people, I saw a homemade box truck, and when I say homemade, I mean a truck that had some two-by-fours and some tin off of an old rusty building tied to that, and the back door was open and people were just were flooding out. They drove 
listen, we can't, we can't come to church when our air conditioner's not working. We can't come to church because the car's not running right. Can't come to church because my battery's dead and it would take too much energy to, to, to hook the jumper cables up. And here they were. They were coming coming out of the back of this crudely made box truck. They were they had plastic chairs sitting in this truck bed, and they rode for for hours just to be there. And they were filing out. And listen, they weren't complaining because it was hot. They weren't complaining because it wasn't a comfortable ride, but they came out with smiles on their face and they were excited to see what God was going to do. They were just excited to be there at church. worship like I experienced in that place then. People who had drove, no telling how long, people who walked over two hours just to be in that place. And so the power of God began to move and and uh, worship was in, in, insane and people just started just started praying and started praising and we didn't even have preaching and we started, people started flooding the altar and began to pray. And that man right there came. I laid my hands on him, and he received the gift of the Holy Ghost in just a moment. He started speaking in tongues as the Spirit of the Lord began to give utterance. And I began to pray. There was a pastor. There was a local pastor who came to that altar who was blind in his left eye. He was blind in his left eye. They said, he needs prayer. He needs sight in his eye. And so I just went over and I laid hands on him. And I said, by the authority of the word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus, I command your sight to be restored. And I left and I walked away and I started praying for other people. I came back about five minutes later. He was still praying. And Pastor Vagapos was there. I said, Pastor, did he get his sight? He said, he can see. He can see. He can see. God restored his sight in just a moment. What doctors couldn't do, God did in an instant. I'm hurrying. I'm sorry. Show the picture of the of the girl, the the young lady. There was a young lady who in, in the in the pink shirt right there. She she wasn't dressed like the rest 
She wasn't, she didn't look like us. And she came to the altar and she was just crying and sobbing. And I kept walking by her. And and suddenly I was, I was just, I was drawn to her. And I walked up to her and I laid my hand on her head. And something broke in her spirit. And just in a matter of about 10 seconds, she began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. She was baptized in the name of Jesus. I went up to her afterwards. Words. I, I, I took a Bible and I said, listen, this is mine, but I want you to have it. I want you to read it, and I want you to read it often. She said, you don't understand, Pastor. She said, nobody invited me. I was just happened to be walking by here yesterday. I saw the I saw the, the billboards, and I, I went back home to my friends, and I said, come on. I want you to go to church with me. She said, what you don't understand is that God filled me with the Holy Ghost, but it's just, just a couple of days ago. I was contemplating taking my own life. Things were as bad as they could get and I didn't want to live anymore and I thought I would just give it one more shot and I came here today and God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I feel like a new person. She connected with me on Facebook, and every couple of days she she messages me and tells me about the great things that God is doing in her life. And I am so thankful for what God is doing in her life. So there's one more story. Amy was there in front of the altar. And so sitting on this side was a wheelchair. She was paralyzed. It was very evident she was paralyzed on her right side. And I don't mean to be gross, but she was in, in a drawer. She couldn't, her back was paralyzed. She couldn't move. And so, and that was the one thing that I was having trouble with. Because I was like, God, what if, what if I pray for her and nothing happens? I'll look like a fool. So I was, I'll be honest, I was avoiding it. So I'd walk past her a couple times, and then all of a sudden somebody come to me and said, I, I want you to pray for this lady. She, she, she can't walk. She can't do anything. She, can't, she has never spoke in her life. She was, about, she was in her 20s probably. And so I thought, well, here goes nothing. So I went and I laid hands. She was sitting like this. Jesus Christ. And I didn't see anything happen, nothing evident. And so I went on, I was praying, and somebody came and got me and said, hey, that, that paralyzed lady, she's getting ready to get baptized. You might want to come out and see this. And I'm like, that's awesome. And so I said, so I went out there, and they're, they're lifting her in the pool. And as they lift her up, I saw it with my own eyes, that right side I had never moved. As they picked her up, I saw that that other shoulder. She began to try to try to put weight on it. She, be, she began moving it, and I, I'm like, 
I, I don't know if anybody else is seeing this, but I, I started rejoicing. They put her down in water baptism in the name of Jesus. And that lady who had never spoken a word in her life, let alone English, come up out of the water saying, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. God, restore. Would you throw that video up real quick? This was her. This was her worshiping. God can't do it. Don't tell me God can't do it. It takes somebody with a burden. It takes someone who's willing to do what God is calling you to do. Come on, somebody. Won't you take just a few moments and begin to rejoice? Begin to give God praise. Begin to give God glory. Come on. It just takes somebody with a burden. It just takes, listen, yes, it happened in Manila. Or yes, it happened in the Philippines. But God wants to do it in North America. If God can heal a paralyzed lady, God can remake a kidney, Jason. I believe it. I believe it. Does anybody in this house believe it tonight? Come on, he's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than kidney disease. He's bigger than depression. He's bigger than anything. in the blue shirt. So I told you, his name's Richard. He's got the Holy Ghost. We went back to the hotel Sunday night after the crusade. I know I'm going long, but please forgive me. Went back to the hotel and Aiden goes, Dad, who was the guy? What? He said, who, who was the guy that Sister Townsend said? believe it was the blind guy, the blind pastor. I really believe. He said, man, that's awesome. I said, man, God restored the sight. He was awesome. That's, I, I believe that's probably why God sent us here, Aiden. So we went to bed. The next morning, I get a text from my wife. I mean, you can't see it, obviously. But it was a picture, a picture of Screenshot of the man in the blue shirt. I don't know who it is. I can't see it. 
Jesus. And I'm like, you're sitting in heaven. And under the picture is the caption, this is the God. And I looked at it and I said, Aiden, this, this, this is the God. And he said, oh, my Lord, God. I said, yeah. He said, that's the guy from the church. He said, that's the guy who had never been in an apostolic church. That's the guy who was a first-time visitor with his family yesterday morning. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. And I said, that is the guy. And then talking with Sister Jamie, she said, I knew. I knew exactly what he looked like. She said, I knew that he would be wearing a blue shirt. I knew that God had told me to tell you that that man was waiting on you to get there so he could get what he needed. And the fact of the matter is that God allowed me to go halfway across the world just for that man because that God knew what he needed. That God placed a burden in my heart for a man that I had never seen, a man that I didn't even know his name. post last night and I said how is Richard well, tell me about Richard tell me about Richard and he said I, I, I don't have time I'll have to tell you but he sent me a screenshot of ch their church yesterday morning and there in the middle of everybody is Richard and his family back in church worshiping God, trying their best to live for God, trying their best to do what was right all because somebody God gave somebody a burden, that God gave somebody a burden to witness to him, somebody gave them a burden to invite them to the house of Not just the Philippines, but Frankfurt and the surrounding region. And I ask you the question who will bear the burden? Who will step out from the comfort of your own home? Who will give your time away from your family? to teach a Bible study? Who will, who will get up from where they're at and go to a place that you don't really want to go to just because God has led you and you felt drawn and you know that God is going to connect you to somebody who will step out from where you are and answer the call of God on your life. Listen, the, the, before, after a call, there will always be a burden. But when God places a burden, when you start working in that burden, when you start working toward what you feel that God is burdening, burdening you with, when you move on from that place, then you will move into the call of God on your life. You want to answer the call of God? Then you've got to first answer the burden. I want every eye closed in this place. I want every hand lifted in this house right now. 
I believe that God's seeing. I'm watching. I'm speaking to you. I'm seeing tears rolling down faces. God's burdening somebody in this house right now. God is calling you to carry the burden. God is calling you to pick up that burden that he is laying on your heart. And, and you may feel unqualified. You may feel inadequate. I sure did when I went halfway across the world. I felt inadequate. I didn't feel qualified. But I was willing to answer the call and the burden that God had placed in my life. Who will answer? Who will step out from where you are right now and just commit, God, I'll bear the burden. God, place it on me. God, I'll take the burden. I, I know it's heavy. I know it's, I know it's going to cost me something. I, I know it's going to be uncomfortable. I know it's going to be embarrassing at times. But God, I'll bear the burden. I'll say yes. I agree. I'll say Commit, I won't be satisfied with anything yes. less than a burden. I won't be satisfied sitting in the yes. comforts of my own home. I, I won't be satisfied I just sitting in the, within the four walls I of this agree, building Lord. with the same people I that I go to church yes. with week in and week out. But God yes has placed Lord. a burden on my heart. Can you feel the weight? Can you feel the weight? 